I'm with Linda Holder today. It's really nice for you to come along and be interviewed. Linda, just tell the listeners, where did you grow up? Grew up partly in Nottingham and partly in the Bristol area. We went to Nottingham. We were there from the time I was six months to when I was 13. And then we moved again. So a lot of your younger education would have been in Nottingham then? Yes, yes that's, where, that's where I went to school, primary school, and where I started secondary school. Did you enjoy life up there? Yes, I did, really. It was good. Primary school was just primary school stuff. I enjoyed that. That was okay. And I went to secondary school and I was enjoying that quite nicely. And then we moved. The reason for the move was that your parents were moving occupation or jobs? Yes, my parents were moving to Bristol for work reasons. So you finished off your education in Bristol then, was that the case? Yes, finished off my education in Bristol. It was quite an unsettling time, really. I mean, the people that say your school years are the happiest of your life. uh, No, no, I don't think so. That wasn't true for me. I went into a school partway through. Not easy to make friends and tricky times sometimes. Did did you feel as though you had some ambitions or talents? I know you play the keyboard at church. Did you kindle any ambitions? I think I was quite a confused teenager about what I wanted to do. I started with music lessons when I was quite young, probably a bit too young because I kind of ran out of steam partway through. When other people were going ahead, I was sort of fed up with it all. And I learned piano and violin. At one stage, I think I was supposed to be a genius. I was supposed to be fantastic at this. And somehow that never quite happened. I suspect in one sense... My parents might have been a bit disappointed with that. But then I came back to it later and decided that music was not about passing exams. Music was about enjoying it. You're right about music, enjoying it. And I don't know if you've got a particular period in time where you think, oh, that's the best ever music ever produced. But then there's also classical music. Is there any favourites you have? In recent years, we've got quite keen on folk music. When we lived in Oxfordshire, which is a bit later on in the story... A friend at church recommended we went to a particular folk club when a group called Feast of Fiddles were playing. We really enjoyed it. And then I think Fairport Convention were on another time. So we went to hear them and Steel Eye Span and Maddie Pryor and people like that. We enjoyed that while it lasted. There are fewer concerts in this area, but it was good. We enjoyed it. Went to the Messiah on Saturday night, went to Steel Eye Span last night. And we're going to hear the Mendit Male Voice Choir on Saturday. So it's a variety, really. When you talk about folk music, I think sometimes of Morris men dancing. You you didn't get Richard dancing with white handkerchiefs flying in the air. Absolutely not. (laughs) Just for the listeners, Richard's your husband. Just going back to leaving school and career, did you have, I know you've got musical talents, but did you have any ambitions in, in your career? I think originally I was meant to go and do something perhaps like speech therapy, but that didn't work out because I had disastrous A-level results. So in the end, I went into work in the solicitor's office and then over time I did exams and became a chartered legal executive and that led on to other things later in life. So would that have been in Bristol, um, the, the solicitors? Yes, that was in Bristol. Did you enjoy working in, in the legal profession? Yes, I did. When I had my children, I took a career break. I was at home with them for a time and then I did various fill-in jobs. And then I was made redundant from one of those and had to look for something else. And I went back and took a job 
doing legal work, buying and selling houses for people. And I took that on for six months to cover maternity leave. I thought after six months, I will know whether I want to do this going forward or whether I want to retrain for something else. And I went back and within about two or three days, I thought, oh, this is really me. I absolutely love it. So I'm a bit of a kind of love getting the paperwork and sorting it out type person, which is some ways sounds a bit boring. There's a lot of detail in conveyancing uh, that type of work and you're quite comfortable with all those details. There's a lot of paperwork and detail going through a process, but it's also dealing with people. And I really do think people are very interesting read lots of books about how people tick and I enjoy that. This time in your life did being a Christian come into focus? Yes I'd grown up in a Christian home. I was baptised. I went on in my faith through my teenage years. We moved house quite a bit so it was all a bit unsettled one way and another. Didn't have any strong friendships but then after I got married particularly when we moved again we were lived in Stratford-on-Avon I thought well surely some of this is more than just duty or being on a rotor what does this actually mean for me the fact that I made a commitment to follow Jesus when I was a child does that still hold good and what does it mean for me now I decided I'd reread the New Testament, apart from anything else, read various other books. It was in the 1980s, so there was a lot of people talking about renewal in the churches. I kind of went through quite a questioning phase, but I came out the other end much more certain and confident of my faith in Jesus. Right, so you were living in Stratford-on-Avon. Was that after you got married, straight after you got married, or, or did you move from Bristol to another location? No, when we got married... We had a house in Little Stoke in Bristol. And then after a few years, for work reasons, we moved to Stratford-upon-Avon. At Stratford-upon-Avon, did you find a church to settle into? Yes, we did. We settled in the Baptist church there. It wasn't the liveliest place on the planet at that time. The minister had been there for a long time and kept hoping for change or people to become enthusiastic or to just capture some sort of vision but he'd been there a long long time and it hadn't happened he went on a course for a week away and came back clearly had been touched by God and the Holy Spirit the church started looking at outreach and evangelism and it started to change and by the end the place was absolutely packed we didn't know where to put people I presume that was sort of cross-generational it wasn't just one group of Uh, age group yes people of all kinds and all ages join the church so how long was you there we were in Stratford-upon-Avon for well over 20 years and and was you still working in on legal side of things at that time or had you moved on to something else when the children went to school I took what I call some sort of fill-in jobs really I worked for an engineering company I worked at an agricultural college, just doing admin in the office, and then went back to legal work when the children were a little bit older. Linda, your CV is bristling with lots of experienced, clever things to do. You you would never be without a job, even today, if you wanted a job, that is. Linda, you moved from Stratford-on-Avon then. What, What happened at that point? I was really fed up with my job at the time, and I was fairly half-heartedly praying for another job, thinking, what could I do that would be different? I can't keep doing this all the time. 
one day it dawned on me that, as well as praying, it might be a good idea to look at the job adverts. So it was lunch hour, got some magazines out my, and I was reading and there was a job advert. I said to my friend in the office, I've seen a job advert and it was just about written for me. And she said, well, what's that for? And I said, well, it's to work at the Baptist Union. And she said, well, you go to a Baptist church, don't you? And I said, well, yes, I do. I said, but they want people to do legal work and read deeds and stuff like that. And so I went out. Richard met me from work and I said, well, there's good news and bad news. And he said, well, what's the good news? I said, I've seen a job advert and it might as well have been written for me. And he said, what's the bad news? I said, it's in Didcot. He said, well, tomorrow's Saturday. Let's go down to Didcot, have a look at the town and see what we think. And if, if we think it's all right, you can apply for the application pack and see where we go from there. And the rest is history, really. At that time, Richard, he was working in a school. Would that have meant he needed to change locations? Richard was was working in a school. He wasn't ready to retire, but equally he didn't want to change jobs. For the first two years after I got the job, I lived in Didcot midweek and came home at weekends. Richard took early retirement, a bit earlier than he planned, and then we bought a house together. And no doubt buying a house was straightforward for you with all the legal um, backgrounds that you've you've got. Well, you don't do your own conveyancing. That's the trick. Finding one was was difficult. Even in that, we found that felt that God led us and helped us in lots of ways. We sold our house really quickly, and then we couldn't find a house that we wanted. Two houses fell through. In the end, we found the house that we wanted and that we eventually bought. Price had consistently dropped in the months while we'd been waiting. It turned out to be a real blessing. Sounds perfect. Also, you would need to perhaps find a church that you would be happy in. Yes, we got settled, lots of Christian friends, lots of good fellowship. Yes, enjoyed that. So I know conveyancing was still in your blood, but you'd moved to the Baptist Union working for them on on legal side. Would there have been any funny moments while you were working as conveyancing? Well, there was the endless trauma of did the money go through quickly enough on a Friday and what about the keys? But we had one client and and they they said, oh, we're we're moving. It's a once in a lifetime thing. Um, And didn't hear much from them after their moving day and they came back a couple of years later and I said well you know you said you weren't moving ever again and they said well we really think we've got to but we got in such a mess last time we're going to have removers this time because we started moving ourselves early in the morning and we didn't actually finish emptying our house till well seven eight o'clock at night and we didn't get to the new house till about nine o'clock in the evening and the people buying our house were really cross well of course they were because they expected their keys about lunchtime and so people stuff happened and you had some sad things that happened and some good things that happened but it's part of that mix of people strange situations did you find that you know in in that sort of environment that your faith helped you in in keeping things on a level and calm basis i think in all the work that i did my faith was important I think the jury is out whether I stayed calm all the time because often things were quite pressured in all of the places where I've worked. Let's focus in on the job at the Baptist Union. Just tell the listeners 
the sort of things that you used to do there? I led a team that dealt with chapels and manses and everything, to, any, anything and everything to do with church property some charity stuff to do with charity law, how churches should function, and also listed buildings. So with a big range of things, most of which I didn't know when I started. I I knew the property side, that wasn't a problem, but had to learn lots of things. My claim to fame is that I know lots of little snippets of information about Baptist churches and how they should run and how they ran in the 17th, 18th and 19th century that's of no use in any other context, but is there in my head. Perhaps you could put a historian's hat on and write a book about it. Um, I haven't written a book yet. I mean, it, it could be funny things that ever happened in a Baptist church, couldn't it? That would be brilliant. You could write the funny stories and we'd need someone to do the little cartoons to go alongside. It could be something like a James Herriot, you know, all creatures great and small, but for Baptist churches, you never know. Right, so people want to know secrets about Baptist Church. They've got to come to you and have a... You can whisper in their ear, but yeah. Yeah, I know quite a bit about the history. The the lovely thing about Baptist churches is, yes, there are some sad things that happen and some disappointing things, but there are some fantastic things that happen. There are churches that grow and change and buy the pub next door to the church because they haven't got enough space or expand their building in ways that you wouldn't imagine they could possibly achieve. God is very faithful. I've seen amazing answers to prayer. It came a point when you retired from the Baptist Union. So what happened then? Right, we retired and moved to Somerset. There was not that much to keep us in the Oxfordshire area. Our son lived at Froome at the time, so we moved down here to be near him. Our daughter had already emigrated to Australia. It wasn't possible for us to live near near to her, but close to her, but we wanted to be near Andy. Yeah, and Australia's a good place to visit for holidays and things like that, and so no doubt you've done that a few times. Yes, we've been to Australia a few times. Interesting country, and, uh, and we can see why they love it, but I think we're happier in Somerset. Yeah. Of course, with the modern technology now, you can keep touch with everybody with Zoom and FaceTime and what have you. So no doubt you keep in touch with everybody. Yes, we keep in touch with them mainly through FaceTime. And that's good. We did visit them this year and that really has helped in our relationship with the grandchildren because having had that physical meeting with them, FaceTime actually works a bit better. Your son's living in Froome. And you mo- did you move to Froome or did you move somewhere close by? We couldn't find a house in Froome. We found a house in Shepton Mallet and thought that was our forever home. Didn't turn out quite like that. But not only finding a house, but also you found a church to worship at. How did those two go together? And I know you've you've finally moved away from Shepton Mallet. Just explain how, what what's the process there. What happened? Yeah. We looked round for churches and struggled a little bit to find out where we settled, but eventually we settled at Welton Baptist Church. The house at Shepton was brilliant, except it was a brand new build and stuff kept going wrong with it. And when eventually we had roof tiles slipping, gable walls cracking and um, major structural alterations, when that was all fixed and it looked like something else was about to go wrong, I just said... I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to keep fighting those battles um, to get repairs done. So we moved. And you found a place, uh, in, uh, well, in very close to 
the church or Midsummer Norton or not too far away. So you're quite content where you are now. Yes. Again, we were struggling to find a house that we would like that would suit us. We had sold our house. My husband was particularly convinced that when we sold our house and when we needed, really, really needed the new one, we would find one. The day after we sold our house, the present house that we're living in came on the market. But you'd already been at Welton Baptist prior to moving into the house that you are living in now. You seem to have settled in. You're even house group leaders, I understand. You've really arrived in a big way. Hopefully the fellowship here is just just right for you guys. Yes, we feel very settled at Welton. And um, yes, we, we're part of house group, love our house group, full of lovely people. We really enjoy their company and we enjoy growing in the faith together. The nice thing about Welton it is cross generational. It's got every age group imaginable, and it's acts. It's like a big family, really. I presume you would agree with that. Yes, I do agree with that. I think it's it. We've had a lot of new people coming in, and that's really good. And I think we have to work at that to some degree to make sure that we do truly welcome people and they feel at home. And to some degree, we can't get to know everybody, but maybe there's a few people that we can get to know really well. Certainly, I've noticed recently a lot of new faces and I, I don't know who they are, their names and what have you. So, uh, And perhaps it's, we need to encourage one another to be open and go up and talk to somebody. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but hopefully we can do that as a fellowship in in one big family. Yes, but I think it moves beyond just talking to somebody over a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning. House groups help, but I think it's that sort of, who who do I click with? Or even, who do I notice that might need a bit of encouragement and along the way? And, and since COVID, we've now moved to a new venue. To me, it seems to work very well. We've actually now got two services. You know, we can ch- choose which service we, we want to go to. So uh, are you quite content with where things are? Yes, we tend to go to the early service, stay for coffee, and then we've got the rest of the day free, so suits us. Right, Linda, we've not mentioned much about your interests and hobbies. Just tell the listeners the sort of things that you that you get up to. Right, I like books. I like reading books that are about people and how people's minds work, so psychology. I like reading books I don't necessarily agree with too, which is quite good, and, and novels, of course, I quite like those. I love gardening. Gardening is, for years and years, has been the place where I would go for problem solving. I mean, I know I pray as well, but equally, in the garden, when I'm pottering around, I kind of have these aha moments when I think, oh, the answer's so-and-so. You strike me as somebody that likes to strike up a conversation with people, so you've probably got a lot of friends. It's interesting that over the years there are a few people that have carried on being friends from my childhood, really. Not many, but there are others that have come into my life in more recent years that have become quite special and precious. Do you find that people eventually pick up on the fact that you're Christian, perhaps quiz you about it or perhaps argue uh, a different viewpoint? Yes, I, I, that does happen. I think it's it's important to have a dialogue. You're not lecturing somebody. I think if they ask, that's very different. And I think it is it is important to drop things into the conversation. But I'm just thinking of one particular friend. I've only had one opportunity where she said, will you explain the Christian faith to me? And then I was able to speak at length. But most of the time, it's it's 
bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, and there's also opportunities to encourage people to find out more from, um, I mean, your love of books as well, um, you, and also what, what goes on at our church. It's not just a Sunday uh, service. There's all sorts of activities, walking groups, there's running groups. There's opportunity if, if you come across somebody, a friend who you make friends with, They've got interests that really are not covered by you. You've got somewhere to point them to. Yes, yeah. yes, that's that's how it works. Linda, I've said this before. You seem to be talented in so many aspects, but the, the music side of it, you, you, I think you're hiding your light under a bushel here. Just tell the listeners a little bit about some of the the in-depths that you know of music. Yeah, we've been involved in the past with music groups at church. The joke in one church was that I knew so many songs that they could play three notes of a song and I'd probably be able to name it and most of the lyrics. You'd be really useful on University Challenge, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd be good, but they've got to ask about the songs I know. So impressed. I'm so impressed, Linda. Uh, Linda, um, um, have you got some favourites? You could just tell the listener a couple of your favourite songs. It's hard to pick out a favourite or favourites. Three particularly came to mind as I was thinking about today. One is the the, old, the hymn through all the changing scenes of life, in trouble and in joy. It's about God being present with us, even in good times and bad times. The two other songs I mentioned are a bit along the same theme. One was a Graham Kendrick song, For the Joys and For the Sorrows, which is much the same. God cares about us. God notices what's going on in our lives. And that's been my experience through my life too. And I guess the third song I want to mention, not not my only favourite, but it's a Graham Kendrick song. We love the acoustic version and it starts off, Oh, spread your wings of mercy over me. And it's about God being a refuge and a strength and sheltering us under his wings. And that was really special during the time of COVID. Linda, it's, it's been really good chatting to you and, and getting to understand some of the things that you've been up to and your skills and what have you very impressed so once again Linda thank you very much for this interview thank you Malcolm it's a privilege to be asked <laughs>